welcome back to the emergency goalies. Uh, not a great week for the Blackhawks, who kind of had, well, I'll say a slim playoff chance coming into this week. It wasn't a great one. And uh, that playoff chance pretty much got snuffed out this week. So uh, the week started against the Anaheim Duck on Wednesday. And this was a very entertaining game. I will, I will say not very well played game, but it was very entertaining. It was a back and forth affair. You know, te- the teams traded goals, a few highlights and Isamov had a shorthanded goal, but the ducks were leading. Well, the game was tied two, two in the third and the ducks took an early lead and, you know, Blackhawks chances were on life support right then, but uh, Alex Dabrinkit scored a goal to tie the game with about five minutes left in the game. And then, uh, just a, a very exciting play at the end of the game. Uh, Saad made a great move to spring a pass to Patrick Kane. who scored with 16 seconds left in regulation to give the Blackhawks a 4-3 win. And, you know, it was, one of those, it was very dramatic. You know, got uh, Pat Foley screaming and yelling. It was, it was exciting. So a little bit of hope built up then. The game on Saturday against the Kings day game, that really just, that was the death blow for the Blackhawks season. Uh, the Kings came right out of the gate and scored two goals to take a quick 2 nothing lead. Uh, they scored a third goal to go up 3 nothing. Now, the Blackhawks did uh, rally back um, behind, of course, their top-line sniper, Brandon Perlini, which that came out of nowhere. But, yeah, yeah Brandon Perlini scored two goals to cut the lead to three, two. And then Connor Murphy just kind of flipped a shot at the, at Jonathan quick that it went in. So the Blackhawks tied the game and you're thinking, well, it's another game against a bad team, but you know, they battled back, but that was it. The Kings scored uh, three more goals. Uh, Blackhawks really, really looked lifeless throughout this game. It was even, they, they had a little flurry where they scored, but even then it was, they did not play good in this game. Um, and the Kings went on to win 6-3. So the Blackhawks' playoff chance is pretty much gone. Uh, they moved on to San Jose Sunday night and actually put a better effort into this game. Uh, they um, Sharks scored first, but the Blackhawks came right back and tied it. Uh, then the score went to 2-2. They traded goals again, um, including a very nice goal by... Um, Dylan Strom on a play set up by uh, Brent Seabrook, who kind of, there is a play at the Blackhawks blue line where he reached out and just poked the puck one-handed right to Strom for the two-on-one, and he scored. Uh, so that was nice. But then the Sharks, who were a much better team than the Blackhawks, really put the hammer down and uh, scored uh, the next three goals, and the Blackhawks lost 5-2. Uh, to two. And it, they were in it, but, you know, they played better than the Kings game, but not really. So you had uh, two points out of a possible six. Blackhawks, nine points out of the playoffs. And it I don't know how else to say it. It's pretty much over for the Blackhawks. But I'll ask Michael your thoughts on this week. Yeah, pretty much what you said. The You know, whatever little amount of hope the Blackhawks had died in Los Angeles there. It was a pretty uh, poor performance considering the stakes and considering the competition they were playing against. Um, 
And, you know, then we had the, the little bit of carryover effect into San Jose. I actually thought they, the, the Blackhawks played better against San Jose than they did against the Kings. Uh, but San Jose is obviously a far superior, uh, um, a far superior opponent. So it was, it wasn't good hockey. They, the, the Hawks continue to turn the puck over at an unacceptable rate. The penalty kill is still a disaster. Um, I think I actually saw somewhere where the Blackhawks could end up with like the worst penalty kill since like the mid eighties or some ridiculous stat. Um, and it's just, it, the defensive zone coverage has just been unacceptable. And Corey Crawford, uh, you know, hasn't been, hasn't been back to his old self yet. Um, hopefully that comes at some point and, you know, it was probably too much to ask of him coming off of, you know, his second concussion to be able to, to jump right back in and perform at a high level, you know, at, at a high enough level that they needed him to stay in the playoff hunt. And, you know, that obviously didn't happen. And then Cam Ward wasn't particularly good either. So yeah, it, uh, it was a it was a tough watch over the weekend. Um, you know, a couple of not very close games, but you know, I think uh, we can at least uh, accept the fact now that uh, the the little run that the Blackhawks had that um, gave them a whiff of the playoffs a couple of weeks back is now over, and we're 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 back to where we were a couple of months ago, and where we expected to be, which is challenging for the bottom five teams in the league. Uh, I think they're sixth or seventh worst right now. So, yeah, it's actually kind of. I oh, we'll give the Blackhawks credit because I thought we'd be having this discussion in early February, so or yeah. mid January even. So, yeah, they they made it interesting. They made some of these games more interesting to watch than they could have been. So, there's that. I will add. Um, uh, Drake Kajula got on the Anaheim game was hit from behind into the boards and. It was a five-minute major against uh, Ricard Raquel, but then he missed the next two games. Not that that was a big impact, but we saw some interesting lines in these two games. And I mean, it's probably not a good sign for your team if Chris Kunitz is on your top line. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, the you know they were they were reaching, they were trying to mix things up, try to spark something, and nothing worked. And you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The Blackhawks were winning games that they shouldn't because Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom and Jonathan Taves were scoring at an unsustainable rate. And what we've seen over the last week, those guys aren't scoring. Yep, and that, when those uh, guys aren't scoring, they're not going to win. Yep, that unsustainability finally came through, and it wasn't sustainable like we said. And Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so it's one of those things now that, I mean – Again, I don't want to be jumping up and down on Brandon Perlini, but he was the <laughs> only one that really showed up for that game against the Kings. It's not a good sign. Yeah, he, you know, I, I, it would be great if we could still squeeze some kind of value out of Brandon Perlini, but I just don't see any hockey sense out of that guy. He's completely lost in the defensive zone. He rarely does anything in the neutral zone as well. And he just, he, he's got all the tools, he's got the size, the speed, the shot, but he just 
doesn't know when or how to use them. And, you know, he was able to get off a couple of one good shot. He got sprung on a breakaway by Crawford um, on a line change by the uh, opposing team. And, you know, that's how he got his two goals. But that's that's also not sustainable unless he completely overhauls his game as far as I'm concerned. Yep. So. And, of course, um, I'll make you feel better. I saw today on Twitter that the Blackhawks jumbled up their lines at practice and uh, Taves and Sauter on a line with with um your buddy, Mr. Hayden. Oh. So. Well, the one thing I can give Hayden is the effort's always there. And if other people are setting him up, he does have the ability to finish some plays. The problem with John Hayden is more when he's on the fourth line and he's expected to actually, you know, I wouldn't say carry the line, but actually contribute and not just finish. Uh, He has absolutely no vision whatsoever. When he gets the puck, he does a fairly decent job of cycling and he can protect the puck for a little bit along the boards, but he just has his head down the whole time. He's got the puck on his stick he never gets rid of it and eventually somebody just knocks it away from him and it's just a turnover every every time so i i mean i could see him you know maybe uh finishing off a couple of plays that uh Taves or Sad set up for him and maybe that will trick a couple of teams uh into thinking that he's a decent hockey player uh and we can trade him in the off season that's that's my hope uh, i I mean, there are worse fourth-line players in the league, but he's not a solution either as far as I'm concerned. I, I had hope for him when he first came up, and I, I thought he showed some signs, but he just he hasn't progressed at all. In fact, I think he's actually gotten worse. Yeah. Um, and then one other you know, note about the uh, team. Um, Cam Ward injured his knee, I assume, in the Sharks game because that was the game he played. But um, Could have been, been in practice. Yeah, it could have been in practice, but... He's out at least uh, 10 days, but, you know, um, you never know how quick he can recover from those or not. But, I mean, I don't think he's coming back next year. He might retire even, but it might be a farewell from Cam Warden. You know, he did he played okay. Yeah, I mean, he's basically the same Cam, Cam Ward we've seen over the last decade, really. He, he gets onto three or four game hot streaks where he looks like the – rookie con Smythe winner that carried a team to a Stanley cup victory. But over the long haul, he's just, there's too many bad games mixed in and just, he's not a, a good enough starting caliber goalie. But I, I, I mean, unless the injury is worse than their reporting, um, I don't foresee the Hawks keeping Delia up the whole season. So once Ward is healthy, they will uh, stick him back in there. So I wouldn't expect we've seen the last of Ward. Okay. Um, then the other little debate uh, we were having the other day on Twitter with our friend, uh, Sam Fells, um, uh, Yoki Haru down in the minors. I kind of want to see him up, but you were kind of making an argument that maybe it would be better for him just to stay in Rockford and go through the playoff run. So I thought I'd ask for your little, Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's benefits to both. If the Blackhawks are willing to bring him up and 
play him 20 minutes a night and put him on the power play, also put him on the penalty kill, I'd be fine with it. Um, I'd probably give him a night off every once in a while if, if that's the role that they're going to give him, like maybe not have him play back-to-backs in that situation uh, just to try and keep him fresh a little bit. But if they're not willing to do that at the NHL level, I'd rather him stay in Rockford and, and get that opportunity. And then, you know, also hopefully be able to continue that on with Rockford in the playoffs because obviously the Blackhawks are not going to be participating yeah. in any postseason. So, yeah. yeah, the big thing for me is getting him first line or first pairing minutes. Um, I don't particularly care where it's at. Yeah, that actually is a fair because I was, I guess that's kind of like we were more in agreement than I thought. Yeah, I want him to just like, you know, the season's over basically. So, throw him in the deep end and see what you got and you can learn from his mistakes because if they make a mistake now it doesn't matter so but if they're I only going to play him six minutes a game or whatever they were doing then forget it yeah i mean in in some ways i can you know at the nhl level i can see them kind of looking at this like hey you know we can play brent seabrook 20 minutes a night and you know it keeps him happy you know, maybe keeps him motivated, keeps him happy. And then maybe when we come into next season, um, you know, we can kind of slot Yoki Haru in a, a ahead of him. And it maybe, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, plus they're also still looking at Cuckoo Forsling and Dahlstrom who are all going to be restricted free agents. I can't imagine they're going to bring more than one of them back. And so, I mean, these last, 15 games or whatever it is are still a pretty good opportunity to kind of sort through those guys, let them get big minutes just to see if any of them can actually be a contributor contributor long-term or not. My, my thought is not, but I, it's hard to say that for certain yet at this point. So it's an audition for those guys just as much as it can be an audition for Yoki Haru. So, yeah. So, well, I guess I'll uh, go to this. And, um, uh, you know, my brother kind of likes hockey. He'll watch hockey stuff and stuff. But he asked me a question today, and I was kind of took me a minute to think about answers. So I'm going to ask you the same question. He asked me, right now in the NHL, who are the top defensive defensemen? Or, what you, you know, stay-at-home defensemen is a better term. And yeah. I was kind of stumped for a minute. I was thinking, I mean, Victor Hedman is – but first jumped in my mind, but yeah, I mean, there there's kind of been a, a changing of the guard. I think a little bit over the last year or two, um, a couple of the guys that would have immediately come to mind um, just a couple of years ago would have been uh, Vlasic and Jalmerson. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, one of those guys are playing at, at quite the level that they used to be anymore. Yeah. And another one I thought about that's kind of, is a suitor in Minnesota. Right. Yes. He would be another one that's, uh, you know, would have been right up there with those guys. Um, now Suter always brought a little more offensively to the table. So I wouldn't necessarily have labeled him a stay at home guy, but, um, yeah, all three of those guys would have been good answers uh, to that question. Uh, but not anymore. Um, now, um, you know, I think you can still put Shea Weber 
more into that category. Um, I think he would definitely be, you know, he'd, he'd kind of fall in with Suter where he still brings some offense to the table. Um, I, I was thinking Giordano and Flames, would he still be? Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bit of a two way guy as well. A two way guy as well. Um, Slavin down in Carolina is a good answer. Ryan McDonough down in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a young guy that's, that's, I think is kind of coming up a little bit uh, is Brandon Carlo in uh, Boston. I don't think he would be quite in that conversation yet, but I, he, he's uh, I think somebody who, who could be in the, in the coming years. Um, Matthias Ackholm um, would still be in that uh, discussion. I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, like, you said, uh, yeah, I don't know. Weber, Giordano, Slavin, Ekholm, McDonough. Um, I probably listed one other guy there that I've, uh, now uh, I'm forgetting, but Hedman. Yeah. Hedman. Um, you know, I honestly, I, it's really weird because Tampa Bay has been so good this year, but I honestly haven't really watched them very much this year. So, um, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit on, um, McDonough and Hedman, but I mean, I haven't also heard any, it, given how well that team is playing, I can't imagine that those two have fallen off very much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some Although, other guys that like, um, would be two way defensemen that like you were saying that are good defensively and offensively, but I don't know if we count them as. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, where do you draw the line with guys like, um, Weber or Giordano, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, Slavin's a good name. I think where he would, he fits d- definitely fits more into the stay at home. Uh, at home's kind of a two way player a little bit, although they've got so many other offensive defensemen. Uh, he, um, you know, could probably still be labeled more of a, a, a stay at home for them. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a handful of names for you. Yeah, because it's 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 always the thing is too that you know it's much easier to name the offensive, but it just it jumps to your mind much quicker than yeah offensive defenseman than defensive. But yep, unfortunately, none of them are on the Blackhawks anymore. That's right. I, I mean, <laughs> back in the day, there was Joe Merson. I mean, would you say like 2010 Brent Seabrook would be? Yeah, yeah. I think back in 2010, Seabrook would have been under consideration for something like that, although he would have been a two-way guy as well um, back then. And then obviously Duncan Keith would have been, you know, at the the, the head of the two-way defenseman along with um, Doty and, um, you know, a couple of guys like that. But, yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons why the Blackhawks were – so good back in that the beginning of that era was uh, not only did you have Joe Emerson as a good stay at home, but Seabrook and Keith were both good two way guys. Oduya was uh, a step down from Joe Emerson as far as a stay at home, but he was uh, certainly still effective in the role. Um. So yeah, I mean they had they had some nice options there. Michael Rosenwald always got a lot of heat that I think he was that that was observed. 
from Blackhawks fans. Uh, it was a he was a pretty reliable guy in a third pairing role. Uh, you know, yeah. By the way, laid him up in the lineup. It wasn't yeah. quite as um, good. As people yeah. now, they take as people now they take Michael Roosevelt back. No kidding. Okay. In a lot of ways, uh, Connor Murphy actually reminds me a lot of Michael Rosal, which probably says more about Connor Murphy than it does Michael Rosal. But yeah. yeah, I think they actually play a pretty similar game. Yeah, I could see that. All right, well, Although, I guess uh, the one thing I, I will say about Connor Murphy that's really starting to aggravate me, he's got to stop taking penalties. Uh, I didn't really notice it quite as much when he first came back this year, but the last couple of months, it seems like he takes at least one stupid penalty every game. And that's really bothering me, especially considering how bad the Blackhawks penalty kill is. Yeah. It's a, a penalty taken by the Blackhawks lately really gets magnified because they cannot kill them up. So yeah. Anyway, as I was, was going to say, um, it's, uh, I guess we'll have a preview now of the upcoming week's games, which I guess at this point don't matter that much, but Hey, Got to stick with the format. That's right. Uh, so tomorrow night, so we're recording on Wednesday. So Thursday night, the Hawks will be taking on the Buffalo Sabres at home. That'll be a 7.30 start. Uh, Sabres are, have kind of fallen off uh, in the second half. They're, I don't actually even think that they're in playoff position anymore. They, they got off to a good start, but it hasn't uh, quite been... Uh, the season that that uh, organization had hoped. Yeah, actually, I, I think they're they might be seven or eight points out of the playoffs now. They're almost in the Blackhawks position. Yeah, it just seems like they they've been in a tailspin a bit uh, the last uh, month or so. I haven't tracked them real closely, but I, it just yeah, it, you know, every time I looked, it just seemed like they were further and further down in the the playoffs. And yeah, you know, so they might even be quite a bit out by now. Uh, so after we take on the Sabres at home, the Blackhawks will have a, a, a quick one game, uh, road trip, uh, against the Dallas stars Saturday night. That'll be a seven o'clock start. Uh, Dallas has rebounded a little bit of late. They're playing decent hockey, even after they had lost, uh, Matt Zuccarello, in the uh, Blackhawks game from a couple of weeks ago, they had picked him up at the trade deadline and he played one game and he got hurt. Um, but the stars have, have uh, overcome that and they're, they're playing pretty good hockey. So that'll be a tough road game for the Hawks. And then uh, the Blackhawks will come back home and get to face the Arizona coyotes Monday night at seven 30 at the UC and that obviously will give Blackhawks fans the opportunity to see a bunch of old friends, not only the uh, aforementioned Nicholas Jalmerson, but uh, Vinny Henestroza, Richard Ponick, uh, Jordan Osterley still down there. Yeah, Nick, Schmaltz in the, Nick Schmaltz in the press box, probably. Yeah, I don't think he's – I think he's done for the year. And honestly, I don't remember if Ronta's playing for them right now either. I think he's out for the year too, Ronta is. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he was hurt. And yeah, so – and then obviously uh, their injured list not only includes those two guys, but also Dave Boland and um, Marion Hosa. So mm-hmm. lots of former Hawks in that organization. And uh, – you know, hopefully Dylan Strom can have a, a 
nice big game against them. Rub a little salt in that wound for them. And, hey, maybe Brandon Perlini shows up again. Maybe we get another couple of goals out of him. Yes. And and then uh, I guess it depends on whether or not we re- – we'll probably record next Tuesday then, I'm assuming. That's the plan. Yeah. game Wednesday night. So yep. Okay. So, yeah, that's the three games. Then Buffalo at home, Dallas on the road, Arizona at home. And who knows? Maybe, you know, now what we were talking about a couple months ago is back in – look for some individual goals. I mean – Patrick Kane's got a pretty good chance to get 50 goals. So, and mm-hmm. when was the last time a Blackhawk player scored 50 goals? Might have been like Brett Hall. Or not Brett Hall, Bobby Hall. Uh, no, it would have been Ronick. Okay. Like 92? Yeah, 91 and 92. He had back to back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think 90, 91, and then 91, 92 were, were the two years. Yeah, so that's a cool 27 years since the. So yeah, that would be something to see. And Debrinket yeah. probably gets forty goals. I, Fifty goals seems outside. Yeah, I don't think I don't see him getting fourteen more goals unless I mean he's probably had that pace at some point. But seeing as how he's just coming off of a hot stretch and uh, been a little cold of late, uh, I think that's probably too big of an ask. But yeah, forty goals definitely within reach for him. Taves is one goal away from 30. Uh, Brandon Sod's got 21, so 25 is probably more the the goal for him. Um, Kane still, I mean, Kane's still got a lot of work to do. He's he's still 10 goals away from 50, but I, I think he can make a, a pretty good run at that. And then uh, I don't really think we got any other guys kind of, well, I guess Dylan Strom's at 17 now. Uh, if you include his work with the uh, Coyotes. So, yeah, uh, he definitely got a chance at 20. I think yeah. he's only at 13 or 14 with the Hawks, but. Yeah. Um, you know, you might, Gustafson might get 20, but I think he's kind of far away from that. Yeah, let me look here. Oh, yeah, he's at 13. So, yeah, that's. Unless they go on a ridiculous play or playoff, a ridiculous power play run again. Yes. That seems unreasonable. Hey, all they need to do to get back in the playoff race is win like 10 straight games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had the one, what was it? Eight or nine game winning streaks. So you just got to do that again. That's no problem. That's right. It's it's a one Unfortunate. per- 1% oh, chance to make the playoffs. So, Hey. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the, uh, the streak that they went on was mostly against bad competition and that's not really what their schedule consists of the rest of the year. Blackhawks play a lot of good teams coming up here. So yeah. And the important thing to remember is they're not very good. So that is also very important to remember they're, we are talking about a very bad team with a very bad goal dif- differential. I think we're down, down to like negative 35 on the season and it's very unusual for a team that's even a negative one to make the playoffs it's they're usually any teams that make the playoffs are even or above and blackhawks are way down i mean we're we're i don't think we're quite as bad as the kings but i think they're actually the second worst in the conference as far as goal differential which is pretty bad yep and then that upbeat note we will and the podcast. Um, as always, I'm STH85 on Twitter and Michael. MJ underscore Ernst.
Yep, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And until next week, thank you for listening.